Oh, okay, okay, okay. I didn't know it was like that here in Madison. Oh, okay. So did you see that Belgium uh, like implemented a four-day work week? Yeah. Yeah. So, and when they're not at work, Mm -hmm. their bosses cannot talk to them. No email, no phone call, no text, like cannot communicate. <laughs> like they're setting some strict I should think about that. I like it. Now, as far as like getting in trouble for getting communicated with after hours, I don't know. Cause like I guess I've always worked for bosses that are like, I'm gonna communicate this because it's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Not like you right. have to respond right now. Got it. Yeah. But if I work for someone that was like that, then yeah, mm-hmm. I would probably wanna have some separation. So I've definitely received emails at like 8 p.m. And I'm like, mm, that's tomorrow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tomorrow in the office situation. But, well, yeah. So, I only had a couple of jobs, right? Okay. Uh, I'm in the Army. I got to be accessible <laughs> <laughs> at all times. So, I didn't have a choice of not uh, answering the phone or email or text message anything. That was the case. People come knocking on my door, oh. trying to see what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just, then you know, yeah. But I can understand that in the corporate world now, mm-hmm. and um, how people. Um, what's the new phrase? Protect their peace. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a that's what people say now. So. So what it is. You, you have to protect your people because <clears throat> who else is going to protect it for you? Right. It's not you. Right. So. Yeah, that's gotta, true. Got to protect my peace. And, you know, like, and, you know, teachers, especially, like, over the pandemic when people were working from home, like, all of, I'm sure they got all kinds of emails and right. text messages and, you know, they just wanted a break. Mm-hmm. I mean, you took the time to recognize these educators. Right. Uh, and this week, talking about thank God for the village, giving encouragement, saying strength is on the way. Yes. And so, welcome, everyone. This is MTZ Overflow Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Thorpe, here with Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen. Yo, yo. A.K.A. What would be your rap name? Black. Okay. I think it's taken, but... <laughs> Just Black. <laughs> There's no, no other name. And like Black Rob or Country Black, Kodak Black. Just, but I'm just black. All right, looking forward to the to the to the mixtape Black. Um, and so this this past week we're talking about Isaiah forty twenty eight through thirty one. Uh, where it's it's an encouraging scripture, and so. You talk a bit about it, but let's let's get us from one to twenty-eight. Where where are we in the history of the Bible? Uh, with Isaiah, well, Isaiah is um, some would say it's the Bible within the Bible. Oh, okay. Because it has sixty-six books in the book of Isaiah. <laughs> I, I never thought about that. Yeah, so that's that's what some would say. You know, Isaiah, he's a prophet. 
<clears throat> he's um, been called by God to be the mouthpiece of God to tell the people what God is trying to inform them of. And so um, Isaiah 6 um, is one of the most prominent scriptures you see. And Isaiah, like in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And then the Lord touched him. And he said, Lord, send me and I'll go. Who, who, do, do you want me to go? What you want me to do? I'll do it. It's just the calling of Isaiah at that point uh, to come and uh, be the voice of God. <clears throat> but here, um, Isaiah is, he's, um, it's as if he, he's prophesying mm -hmm. uh, because the people of Israel are continuing to go against God's will to continue to do things that's beyond um, God's statutes and his laws and things. And so now God allows Babylon to come in and conquer them. And and then this particular text is as if Isaiah is speaking to the people and letting them know, even though you're going away, God is going to make a way for you to come back home. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's what it's basically breaks down. And Isaiah also speaks of um, the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. Different passages, uh, seven fourteen, where he says, uh, "And his name shall be called Emmanuel." Um, and you look at <clears throat> just how he speaks of uh, that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Those all that comes from Isaiah because he's prophesying um, the coming of Christ. So Isaiah is um, one, of, one of the top prophets. So a major prophet. Don't have your major in your mind, but he's one of the major prophets of the time. Major okay. All right. So so Isaiah is coming a little weight. He's oh yeah. He's He's coming with a voice. And so we're talking about strength. And in the open, you're talking about this month, which is February, as we celebrate the history of African-Americans in, in this country. And talking about the, the power that education had um, over the oppressor, keeping the oppressed at bay. Um, and one one part that I really that really sunk was like that alphabet is an abolitionist. That 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 just didn't sit well with me. If I'm being completely yo, honest here, yo, um, just doing research, right? Just mm -hmm. looking different articles and looking at things just to find out. The effect of education on the oppressed. Mm -hmm. They steal us from our homeland, bring us to a foreign country. We don't speak their language, right? Mm -hmm. We don't understand them, what they're saying. All we're forced to do is just work. Um, first group of Africans that came off, off the ships. Um, they were supposed to only be slaves for a period of time, right? So that's, mm -hmm. <clears throat> look in the Bible today, you know, people were not slaves forever. Mm -hmm. They were slaves, but it was only for a period of time, and then they would have to be released. And so now we have um, the U.S. 
becoming this economic giant because of slave labor, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're able to benefit today off the labor of our ancestors, right? So that's why we have this a lot of old money, right? <clears throat> um, and so one thing that kept the oppressed bound was keep them dumb. Mm. Just you know, that's all I kept reading, uh, like uh, talking about how, how, like you said, the the alphabet became an abolitionist, because if they knew how to read, they would understand the condition that they are in. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that way. <coughs> so, um, and so if they learned how to read, they would get this power within themselves. Uh, I think I was looking at one one place that said if you, if they learn how to read, then it'll cause dissatisfaction. Hmm. It'll make them dissatisfied with where they are because they won't know that there is better. Hmm. So don't teach them to read. Don't teach them to write. And then Nat Turner happened. You heard of Nat, Nat Turner? No. Never? Okay. Nat Turner was a preacher. And um, black preachers, because you know back then, um, slave masters created the black church hmm. because we couldn't worship with them mm. freely. So they allowed black people to have their own worship service. Hmm. And it's been that way. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so Nat Turner was a preacher that learned how to read who took the Bible and began to speak liberation. But then Nat Turner um, said he saw a vision, saw blood on the corn, and him and a lot of other men just went through killing slave owners and white folk, just killing them. Wow. This happened in Southampton. Uh, Virginia. Look it up. Make sure you get some research on that. Yeah. Um, Nat Turner. <laughs> and and so after that, after um, white people or those in charge saw this, they began to put in strict uh, restrictions on freed slaves whoever people of color, black people, that if you teach them to read, they were making laws against it, state laws wow. <clears throat> against teaching um, black people to read because they understood the power of reading. And then, you no, know, the Bible itself was used as a tool of oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would only they would only come and and talk about. Ephesians 6 and 5, slaves obey your masters. But it wasn't until these um, black preachers learned how to read mm-hmm. and were cl- proclaim Exodus 5, 1, that says, let my people go. Mm-hmm. And, and so, one, one, you know, <clears throat> so back then and up to the 60s sometime there, you know, the preacher was the most educated in the community. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? 
um, and, and because they learning how to read and wanted more education to be more um, intellectually astute to be able to articulate things on behalf of black people. So most of the abolitionists or W. B. Du Bois or or Frederick Douglass was mm-hmm. like a Methodist preacher, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so these people they you know to 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 help our people reading and having knowledge is a powerful thing mm-hmm. and, and um, you know you pretty much heard the phrase I said in the sermon of knowledge is power mm-hmm. uh, because when you have knowledge it gives you choices mm-hmm. because if you don't have the knowledge um, if you don't have the knowledge about certain things people just can use whatever they want against you or try to give you whatever they decide to give you but if you say hey um I know what's best. Like, if you know, if I go to the car dealership and I got a credit score of an 800, you're not going to give me the highest interest rate. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not about to <laughs> miss you because I understand mm-hmm. this process. And you're not just going to do this to me just because, you know, the color of my skin or my gender, right? Mm-hmm. Because that, that that's what happens. It still happens to this day. But if you don't have knowledge about it, you can be misused. And so, back then, they were just trying to keep keep the slaves dumb. And it happened from Nat Turner. The more they began to institute more of these laws, um, and it still happens today. Hmm. If you look at the African-American community, where are we normally in the inner cities? Mm-hmm. What schools are normally targeted and looked down on public school? Mm-hmm. Public school and where? In the inner cities, mm-hmm. right? And so in order to keep us oppressed, they try to keep us illiterate. Mm. And it's still happening today. It's just not as broad and, you know, maybe a little broader, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, um, <clears throat> it, it's crazy because during the redlining period, the federal government put in guidelines to keep black people oppressed and from buying houses, mm-hmm. right? They stopped us from buying houses and what happened was, you got me going all this. I've been studying this a lot. And I know. I, I can tell. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you had space to share okay. that. Okay, so, so what, happened, what happened was um, in the early 1900s, the Ku Klux Klan made a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, because at Reconstruction, black people started being elected to government seats. Um, they started you know, getting their own schools, you know, mm-hmm. HBCUs. Uh, banks, we started to thrive right after Reconstruction, during the period of Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. But this was because they left federal um, soldiers in the South to make sure this violence was not coming against us. Mm. <clears throat> but once they removed the soldiers, then KKK had a resurgence. Mm. So black people began to leave the South and go North to find better work mm-hmm. or go West. Mm-hmm. to like California and stuff <clears throat> and so as the back pe- black people are leaving <clears throat> excuse me it's called this great migration mm-hmm. so as we're migrating uh, from the south going north they get in these cities this influx of African Americans and one year um, at least in five years is almost the triple mm-hmm. amount of black people living outside of the south mm-hmm. so they get to these cities, and once they get to these cities, it's an influx of black people in these cities, and them living in the inner city, 
And so now the white people that are living there, they're upset. Mm -hmm. The federal government builds suburbs mm. and restrict black people to only living in the inner cities. Mm. You feel what I mean? The federal government, HUD, is the one who set up the redlining practices. Mm -hmm. All right? HUD, Housing for Urban Development, federal government, is the ones who set up these redlining practices where we have veterans who serve in World War II who cannot use their VA loans or use their uh, uh, VA loans for any homes that they want because they're African-American, but they've served for this country. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And so we have this influx uh, of, of black people, and now they, they are... Uh, regular, uh, they're forced to live in one particular location. And so once the white people leave, which they call white flight, leaving mm -hmm. the inner city, going to the suburbs, the resources leave with them also. Mm -hmm. And so since the resources are leaving, or they're giving us hand-me-down books and teachers who don't want to really be there, you feel what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So now we're creating again these processes to keep the oppressed dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So we, so they, they, they look at us and they're like, oh, why your graduation rates are so low and all this type of stuff. Look what you all have done to us over years. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't get an education uh, uh, and you grew up in the 60s and it was because of these practices that was done to you, what you think the generation behind you is going to do? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But, it, but it, so it becomes generation after generation because we only become what we can see. Yeah. But if we can't see beyond what's in front of us, right, uh, if we can, we can achieve more, mm -hmm. right? Uh, for, you know, even me, you know, I was the first one to graduate from high school in my family. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad my mama, she went back and got her high school degree, college degree, that's, everything. That's great. You know, you know what I'm saying? But that's what, that, that, that was the goal, and I think it still persists to this day, to keep the oppressed dumb. Mm hmm and oftentimes people can't even observe it that that those who are this one percenters or those who are at high levels want to keep everybody oppressed. No, they don't mind what color you are, mm. and people can't see that. And so oftentimes you see um, the fights and the, the uh, gun violence and stuff, and the hatred is towards black people is often between poor whites and and black people mm -hmm. more so than the elitists. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's why and that's open, <clears throat> open the sermon up talking about how how um, education, um, how people died just from learning how to read. Mm -hmm. you, 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 can you imagine that? That you got to hide in a closet, under a bed, hide in the woods uh, for somebody to teach you how to read. I couldn't imagine that. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, for you to learn, for you to be able to learn, um, it had to be secret, and you had to act as if you didn't know how to read. Because if you don't know how to read, you know how to read a map. Mm -hmm. If you know how to read a map, you can escape. Mm -hmm. If you know how to read, you can read a newspaper, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you can see how other slaves are escaping, and you can read signs and tell you directions which way to go. Mm -hmm. If you know how to read, you can say, well, "Hey, you're using this Bible." as a tool of oppression but the bible also says this mm -hmm. it's also a tool of liberation yeah you know what i mean 
<clears throat> so that that that's that's what was going on. That's what was happening, um, and I think it still happens today uh, with these standardized tests. Oh yeah. Uh, with our kids and trying to tell us that our kids are not smart enough, um, or our kids can do well in the classroom, but they doing horrible on the test you give. How does that how does that match up? Mm-hmm. And so, I think education is key. Um, education is the hope for liberation. Um, and, and I know we, we're, we're trying right now, you know, uh, we're trying to push people away from saying, oh, you got it. You have to go to college in order to get a good job. Um, why don't you pick up a trade or something mm-hmm. like that? But you got to have some form of education mm-hmm. in order to perform a particular task in order to get something done. Unless you're going to be a YouTube or Instagram star for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's just, that, that was it was very Sunday when I was preaching it. it I it, I think I got more passionate than I thought about I would because mm-hmm. just from the research of it and seeing um, how people, um, you know, trying their best to improve themselves but constantly being murdered, mm-hmm. beaten, struck down for just learning how to read. Mm-hmm. And and then we have you no. Know, it saddens me that we have kids that don't go to school, mm-hmm. kids that drop out of school, or kids don't see the importance of it when black people die trying to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are. You you've mentioned it in conversations before, but I think we're just in a generation of people who don't um, understand the importance of the sacrifices that were made in order for us to be able to do the things that we're doing now, mm-hmm. you know, like the tasks of school, um, for learning how to drive, for, you know, going to church, like all of the the struggles, the challenges, the deaths that were a part of us getting to this place that we're in. Uh, my, as a kid, uh, my mom my parents were always pushing education, like go to school, be good and do your best at school. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have expectations for us to get perfect grades, but they're like, you need to try. And cause they knew that if we would try, we would do well. Mm-hmm. And my mom, um, she pushed for us to go, we ended up going to private school. And the reason that we went to private school was because at the public school, there was a kid who was older, a year older than me and he was sight reading. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't just, um, and my mom was like, no, like, I want to make sure that my, you can pick up anything mm-hmm. and be able to read. And at the time I was like, I, I get it, you know, mildly of like, okay, like she wants me to read, like know how to read, but like understanding more so this history of the oppression of not being able to read and having to hide it and, and how that was a means of with which to limit my possibilities makes that act even more powerful mm-hmm. of making sure that that we were able to, to pick up anything and, and be able to read and enjoy reading right um and enjoy exploring <clears throat> um new and different uh ideas or just understand understanding new concepts um but that takes all of that took strength and I am sure there were many moments when all they had to go off of was God's strength. Right. And you, I don't know if everybody caught it, and maybe I didn't catch it correctly, but you start to outline the attributes of God 
mm-hmm. through this. Right. And how how we get to know God is through his strengths and through his attributes. Right. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, just speak, I'm speaking to the, to the educators, but also speaking to everybody that was in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, we know educators have had a tough time mm-hmm. with mask mandates, uh, vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people, you know, they had to get vaccines in order to work. Um, so, and some didn't want them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we've seen on numerous occasions how parents are fighting against school boards and things like that across this nation. So it's been a tough time. It's a, and it's been a tough period of adjustment. Um. <clears throat> so I want to help. You know, strength is on the way. Yeah. But I um. But the first point in in just like reading the text, in order to get strength, you need to know who God is, mm-hmm. because knowing who God is allow you to have. The strength in which he possesses. Mm-hmm. So have you not known? Have you not heard? Right? <laughs> God, God was like, yo, I'm that dude. And you you act like you've never heard of me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure your parents um, taught you who I am. And he he's the everlasting God, right? So that means God is eternal. Mm. God will always be or God will always be is. He'll never be a Shelby or was. Mm-hmm. He would always be is. And so, um, in the sermon, you know, God is a pre- very present help in the time of trouble. God is mm-hmm. strength. God is our hope. God is our peace. He will always be is. And you know, God being is, that makes him um, not present. Mm-hmm. That means he he's always there. There's mm-hmm. never a point when God is not around. Not only is he <clears throat> is, but he's he's all powerful. He talks about how he creates the universe, mm-hmm. right? So he's all powerful. He's omnipotent, and then he says his wisdom is or his understanding is unsearchable. Uh, he's omniscient, which means he knows all things. So mm-hmm. when you know the attributes of God, when you know who God is, you know understand that no matter what I'm in doing, the strength of God is with me, and I can handle whatever come my way. Mm-hmm. And so, and so we don't, and oftentimes we just don't take the time to get to know who God is. Mm. We, um, we, we know how to pray. Yeah. But we don't, we don't even know who we're praying to. Mm. <laughs> you know, and since we don't know who we're praying to, we, um, James says we ask amiss. Yeah. We pray for things that are outside of the will of God. And so when he asked, what do you mean by that? Well, we pray for a, um, I'm about to pull this slot machine mm-hmm. lever. Um, God, make sure I hit this. Yeah. Or I'm about to pray over this lottery ticket. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, so because we don't know who God is, um, we don't have the strength to endure. Right? If you look through African-American history, many of the civil rights leaders, many of the abolitionists, many of uh, Harriet Tubman, they were all Christian. Mm. Some are even preachers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Many, many, many who led the way um, um, for us to have liberation know who God is. Mm. And so we see that resilience in them. You see that tenacity, that fortitude because they understood where their strength came from. Yeah. Right. 
Psalm 121, it says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. And then he asks a question, from which shall my help come from? Mm. Where shall my help come from? Right? And, and oftentimes we don't look at that as a question, but that's what he's asking. He said, I'm looking my eyes to the hills. Where's my help coming from? He's at the foot of the hill, the hill of oppression, the hill of depression, the hill of hurt, the hill of um, pain or discouragement, of confusion. And he asks him the question, where is my help coming from? And then it's as if, as he looks up, he sees all of my help comes from the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> and so when we have that understanding, when we're faced with the, the bottom of the hill of some issues of life, looking up helps us to understand that God is our helper. He's the one who gives us strength. But we have, we have to know that for ourselves. Yeah, we definitely do. I, I actually never thought of that as being a question. Yeah. I thought it was just a gaze. Like, we're just, we're just looking up at the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. If you read it, if you read the text, and I like New King James Version, you'll see it's, it's a question mark. From when shall come my help? Mm. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of the song. All of my help. <laughs> All of my help. The, no, no. The Lord. It wasn't that one. This one was a little bit slower. It's like, uh, it's the the Amen song. It's like I, mm, I'm not gonna I sing it. That's, really yeah, no. My eyes to the you got it. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Yeah. No, I just know songs by like one word. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a question. Something that's posed a question. Where is my help coming from? And then he declares, "All of my help mm. comes from the Lord." Uh, so the this talk about God being omnipresent, uh, omnipotent, and omniscient. Uh, and you define those. And I really liked that breakdown because it's some of these words aren't words that we use mm -hmm. in regular vocabulary. So um, I really like how, you know, it's always there, omnipresent. Mm -hmm. You know, God can do all <coughs> things and he never gets tired. You know, he's and he's powerful. So right. omnipotent and um, understanding um, that he knows all things, omniscient. And I think those are words I, I like that they're not used in the everyday language because they make them really special towards God. Mm -hmm. And we always know that we are referencing God when we yeah. use those Can't terms. nobody else be defined as any of those right. words. Mm -hmm. Can no one say they're, they're always there? Right? Yeah. Can no one say they're all powerful? Mm -hmm. Can't even the president, mm -hmm. right? If the president of the United States of America got the most powerful army, we say, right? Yeah. But we're not going to war with China. Nope. And we don't want to go with Russia. No. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we can't say that we're all-powerful. Only God can say he's all-powerful. Mm -hmm. And God is all-knowing. He knows all things. No one else can define themselves in any of those three categories. And if we could define God as being that, that suggests that there is no one like him. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That those titles, those tags are left for God and God alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely are. And there's another title that's left for, for one person uh, in your life, particularly your brother. So you talk about how you used to <laughs> get in fights. Yeah. And, and you called on your brother. Mm -hmm. And one, I want to know how often did you call your brother? 
and why you called on your brother. Right. I didn't call on him often because I, I was able to handle my own. Okay, okay, um, okay. So I use this illustration in the text <laughs> because uh, when you know who God is, you know you got you have strength. Mm-hmm. And 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 I knew I knew who my brother was. So there was this one instance when this young boy we got into a fight and I got the best of him and he said, Hey, I'm going to get my brother. Mm-hmm. Normally those words would cause fear in someone because your brother may be bigger than you, mm-hmm. stronger than you, more powerful than you. So they may be able to take me out. But I wasn't afraid because I knew my brother. Mm-hmm. And I knew the capabilities of my brother. And my brother would not allow nobody else to beat me up. Only he could. Uh-huh. <clears throat> you understand? It's <laughs> precious. Yeah. And so, and so that's why I was just relating it to knowing God gives you strength. Knowing who my brother was gave me the ability to say, go get your brother. I'm going to get my brother. Mm. Not, not uh, if I didn't know the abilities of my brother or I knew the abilities of my brother was not capable to handle <laughs> what I needed him to handle. If we said, I'm going to get my brother, I would have took off running yeah. out of fear, yeah, out of being cautious of, of his brother coming in and be, mm-hmm. beating me down. But I was like... Yo, go get your brother. I'm going to get my brother too. Because <laughs> I know his strength. Right. And because I know his strength, I was able to stand in strength and not in fear. And so when life comes at us and try to, you know, I'm going to get cancer. I'm going mm-hmm. to get the death of a loved one. I'm going to get uh, being laid off from a job. Say, go get him. Mm-hmm. Because you know who God is. Yeah. And you know God will give you the strength to handle whatever comes your way. And so I think knowing who God is, is that that's what gives us strength to handle handle anything. Yeah, for sure. Like knowing knowing his his strength and that can overcome kind of our weakness, right? Like the areas that we aren't able to to cover, we want to exchange that for mm-hmm. strength. And I I actually want to open this up a bit more because I wasn't quite sure how you give someone strength. The only example I could think of is death. In that um, they are they're stronger now. They're no longer suffering. They're out of this human body. And they're able to become whole again. That's the only real reason I could think of, think of, of how maybe how to, how to transition weakness, giving over a weakness into strength. Uh, but but I'm I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so let's let's look at life. You, you you do you run? Have you have you ran before? Like I miles? I have I have run before. Yes. Miles. Miles. Yeah. Yeah. So so have you ever had someone run with you? Yes. And say, yo, you can do this. Yes. You got this. Yes. Was it at the point where you said, no, I can't? Yes. I want to quit. Yes. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, at those, at those points, yes. That motivation is the strength that they give to push you on. Have you ever seen like Olympic athletes and they run in the race and like they're about to give out, but then they hear the crowd mm-hmm. and the crowd just give them that motivation that gives them that strength. 
mm-hmm. just to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever received a, a, like some words of encouragement? Yeah. In the times when you needed them the most, you're like, yo, you no know, life is hard right now. But you, in some way, just give you that strength. Mm-hmm. We give you some words when you felt as if your strength was depleted. Yeah. And it feels as if you just couldn't go on. <clears throat> that that that's how the transference of strength happened. Okay. Um. We don't get to do it now, and I hate it because of COVID. Sometimes that handshake, mm-hmm. a hug, a embrace. Mm-hmm. A rub on the back. Um, I was looking today, um, some years ago, at least about two years ago, it was a memory. It was about 2020, early 20, February 2020, uh, with uh, Latanya Baldwin. Mm-hmm. She, the kids had sung, and after they sung, I think she was crying, and all the kids surrounded her. Mm-hmm. All the kids, they just came and surrounded her. And someone took a picture from the balcony. It's like the best picture ever. Mm. I need to see it. I don't know. I need to put it up somewhere. It's yeah. like it's like the best picture ever because you can just see her. She's this, to these kids, she's this tall lady. She's bigger than them. Mm-hmm. But they all are surrounding her and hugging on each other and connecting with each other and hugging on her. Mm. I think that's a picture of strength being transferred. Mm. Because we just... We don't know what she was dealing with, what she was going through. But all we know, all we see is this lady, all these kids, it's a group. It look, you see love, you see community, you see hope. Yeah. Right? You can see all these things uh, within that one within that one picture. Uh it is it it is just it's 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 so amazing to me, like every every time it comes on my timeline mm-hmm. I share it and I shared it today. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we might need to frame that picture or yeah. something, put it in a, like the hallway or something, because you could just see so much in it of how these young people they just they just went around her and they hugging her, holding on to her. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we need. I miss those moments in yeah. church, um, just being with people. You know, some people you know like me, I gain strength just being around people, mm-hmm. talking. Uh, no, like, because I'm an extrovert, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Introverts, you know, they like talking to you is really draining me right now. Mm-hmm. I really just want to go by myself, give mm-hmm. me a book or something. Don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> with me, you know, being around people, um, helping people, um, providing that hope, and know, sometimes, you know, that's that's what I do. I give, I receive strength by giving strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God gives us, um, it gives us strength to endure. The moments when we say, "Hey, uh, I don't know if you ever been to," you know, when I, you know, COVID, COVID really has done a work on all of us, mm-hmm. right? And and not and I can remember that summer of twenty twenty. It felt as if all of us who was coming to church each week and doing the work is like all of us hit a wall. Mm-hmm. I can like sense it, right? Um, People's like, yo, I'm not coming in this week. Or if I keep coming, y'all gonna burn me out. Uh, uh, people's like, yo, I'm like, yo, can we get, can you do this? People's like, nah, I can't do it. 
Deacon Stanley actually got into a car crash. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it seemed, you know, and I was just weary too, you know, like, yo, I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of it. Um, but it's the strength of God that allowed us to continue to move on. And, and you know, we're still experiencing it. Mm-hmm. You know, our church, we were seeing 350 to 400 people a Sunday. Yeah. Now we may be seeing 80 to 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, COVID really put a work on us, you know, but we're finding our strength. We're trying. We still, I can't say we've arrived to a place of yeah. acceptance because we're still grieving. It, it was yeah. a loss. It was a loss, and it still feel like a loss. Some faces we don't see or people we can't touch. Mm-hmm. It hurts, but we have to be um, still leaning and depend on God to help us through through this. Um, and I think God, you know, strength is on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, if we haven't experienced it already, God is going to give us the strength we need to continue to endure. Yeah, yeah, He definitely will. And but we, understanding His strength means that we don't mind waiting. Mm-hmm. And I and honestly, truthfully, personally, that's the hardest part. Yeah, is the waiting. Um, I I mentioned in a previous uh, episode. I don't like lines. All right. You know, I don't like traffic. So it um, definitely waiting is not something that I like doing. Uh, but understanding God's strength through that is um, it helps make the waiting worthwhile. Right. Uh, think there's part where you talk about when we know the value of something we don't care how long we wait uh, and I thought about getting a driver's license so I have a July birthday and um, when your birthday? July 12th oh, okay. <laughs> um, my birthday July 30th oh, I didn't know you birthday was July 12th we do this every year by every the way. year? yeah <laughs> I'm like, you like, yeah, in the middle of service, we'd be like, July birthdays. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> CT, your birthday in July? Every year. <laughs> Count to my head, not my heart. Amen. But well, maybe you also experience this too. All of your friends whose birthdays are earlier in the year or even the ones that were born the year ahead of you, like they already all have their driver's license. Mm-hmm. So as you're getting excited, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to driver's ed or I'm going to the DMV. And right. They like been there, done that. So you, it's like, <clears throat> does it still have value? Like people don't care, but I care. Mm-hmm. It's um, so I guess that goes into deeper of like, is it my value or their value that they're putting on it? I think I answered my own question. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so um, you're willing to wait for stuff you appreciate. Stuff you know you know has value. You you don't mind you don't mind waiting on it because you understand when you receive it, it's gonna be better than anything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Restaurant, you know, someplace you just don't mind waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, car, or you know what I mean. What is is you just don't mind waiting because you know what the results are going to be. Mm-hmm. And when you know who God is, you do not mind waiting because you know what the results are going to be. They're always going to be in your favor mm-hmm. if you wait on the Lord. But if we jump ahead, you know. 
we can uh, find ourselves in trouble mm -hmm. because we're doing things outside of his will mm -hmm. and not at his pace but at our pace mm -hmm. and that causes us to fall sometimes um, it's crazy because you know I didn't even get to this point on Sunday mm -hmm. I, I stopped preaching at point number two yep. uh, <laughs> uh, and you know but, so I'm glad I'm here to be able to Give the overflow. <laughs> and, um, yes, sir. Say you shall mount up with the wings like eagles. Mm -hmm. Shall run, not become weary. Shall walk and not faint. Such powerful poetic words, mm -hmm. right? These words of poetry, right? And where he, where where Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God, letting the people know, it's gonna be some times where you're gonna seem as if you're flying over things. Mm -hmm. Then there's gonna be some moments where you just feel like you're running. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's gonna feel as if you had a walk, mm -hmm. but you won't get weary, and you won't faint, mm. because you've learned to wait on me. Right? You you've learned to trust in me. You've learned um, to develop this strong relationship with me in such a way, because if I have a relationship with you, I can trust to wait on you. Mm -hmm. Right? My wife know I'm going to come through for her every time. I may not come through when she want me to, but I'm always on time. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what we, you know, that's the old preacher. Uh, uh, I think uh, Greg Howard called it black church rhetoric. Ah. May not come when you want him, but he's always on time. But I heard someone else say, he may not, you may he may not come when you want him, but when you'll want him when he comes. Yeah, you hear what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but that's uh, that's the the um, what we must have. That's the mentality we must approach life with. Is I'm waiting on God. Mm. I'm depending on God. And if I don't hear anything from God, or I don't sense this is the move of God in my life, I don't want it. Right, because if I go without God, it's useless. Mm -hmm. Right, it was a tough decision, very tough decision for me to leave Virginia and come here mm -hmm. to be the pastor of this church. And next week we're celebrating five years. Five years. Five <laughs> years. First Sunday in March, and and, and um, I know this was the move of God. Mm -hmm. Right. I've only applied to two churches. Okay. And, and when I applied here, um, when my wife said she was fine with moving to Wisconsin, I knew that was the will of God. Mm. She had came here one time for Christmas, <laughs> and she declared, we shall never live in Wisconsin mm. because of the cold. Yes. And so each time after that, when I came home for Christmas, I was by myself. Oh, Cause she was like, nah. <laughs> so I spent Christmas, but I like coming home. I love my family. Right, right, right. right. And um, she wouldn't come. And when I asked her about it, and she said, yeah, let's go. Mm. And so I applied October 2016. Okay. I didn't hear nothing back from the church until January 17. Wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> you applied... You said April? October. October. Yeah. 2016. 2016. I didn't hear anything back from the church until like January. January. 
2017. And that was just say, hey, we're still in the process. Oh, not okay. And then, uh, so I applied October. Um, and then I was notified, I don't know, somewhere that um, um, I was top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, they called me and told me that through email. They emailed and told me I was top 10. But then I received a letter that said, thank you for applying. <gasps> you got a rejection letter? <laughs> yeah, I what? I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I just got this email. You all were telling me uh, that I'm top 10. But now I get a letter in the mail saying, um, no, we we don't want you, right? Mm. And then my wife was like, oh, it's all right. They made a mistake. I'm like, they ain't make no mistake. You know? <laughs> and so uh, I sent them the letter and they said, oh, yeah, it was a mistake. And then they did a Zoom call, mm-hmm. uh, probably about May. Mm-hmm. And then I preached in June, came back and preached in August. And they called me the third Sunday in August of 2017. 2016. No. Yeah, yeah. I applied 15. Okay, 15. Yeah, because I came here October 16. I applied 2015, October. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the job to August of 2016. It's almost a whole year. Almost a whole year. You're talking about somebody waiting. Wow. And I was willing to wait because I understood this was the will of God. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because everything just lined up. Yeah. Everything lined up. Um, you know, it was some bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. But, and then coming here and being able to be the pastor here has just been, it's been tremendous, right? Mm-hmm. Again, though it hasn't been perfect. Um, but it has been, um, we've been able to do a lot of great things in the mm-hmm. short time that I've been here. Yeah. I had uh, one of my friends, Liz Bishop uh, Rayford, called me. He used to be here. He said, man, you celebrating five years again? <laughs> and I, it seems like you've been there forever. <laughs> I was like, nah, it's, it's only five years. I can't believe it. It's been five years. Mm-hmm. Well, I've only known you as the pastor because I've been in Madison. It'll be five years in July. Okay. So, yeah, you only pastor Mount Zion that I know. I know that's right. <laughs> uh, so, any other closing thoughts? No, just wait on the Lord. Okay. And let the Lord lead you. Um, wait on him in every aspect of your life, and He promises He'll give you the direction you need and the hope, peace, and the joy to conquer any situation in life. Great. Thank you again, Pastor, for joining us and. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, Please continue to check out our other podcasts as well as our YouTube page, Facebook, and uh, our website, mtzlife.com. Have a wonderful day and stay marvelous, fabulous, and blessed. Peace. Peace.